yeah, there's, you know, scandalous kind of stuff about the saxophone, as one would expect. But, you know, for example, like composers literally being paid off to not specifically to not write for it, you know, death threats on Adolf Sachs trying to blow up his workshops multiple times, you know, the, the usual. That's the saxophonist Nick May. I'm Jamie Green, and this is Trading Force. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Trading Fours. I hope you're doing well. It's a beautiful, sunny November day here in Kansas City. And I've got Nick May, the great saxophonist here in Kansas City, as today's guest. But uh, before we get started, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. I could really use your help uh, growing this podcast. I put in the show notes the subscribe link for both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So do me a solid, if you could... Uh, go down, click on the link, subscribe. It helps. And I appreciate it. Also, if you're digging this podcast, go on Apple Podcasts and give me a review. That also drives more people to it. You know, this is a labor of love. I'm not making any money off of this. Uh, but I think these conversations are really good, and I think they're interesting, and I would love for more people to uh, hear them. You know, this it continues to grow, but I'd like it to grow more. So thanks for that. Okay. Back to actual interesting stuff. So, I can't believe it's been over a year on this podcast, and I finally got a saxophone player on. And not only a saxophone player on, a really good saxophone player. And I think it's really interesting. When you think about saxophone in Kansas City, you're probably going to think Charlie Parker instantly, and, and certainly that's a big part of our history here. But, you know, the saxophone is a lot more diverse than that, as you're hearing right now. The saxophone can be a classical instrument. And today's guest, Nick May, he does both, man. He plays a classical saxophone. He plays a jazz-type saxophone stuff. He can do it all. And in this case, he's doing the soprano saxophone, which is a beautiful instrument. And he literally actually sacrificed his soprano saxophone to make it better so he could play a song. And we're going to talk about that as part of this interview. So really excited to have Nick on. And no, not just because he's from Nebraska, uh, although that's cool. Uh, I was just really excited to have Nick on because he's really good, super nice guy, very talented, and he's working hard. He's woodshedding as we're sitting here on the sidelines. So I'm about to sit on the sidelines, too. I had my last outdoor gig, I'm thinking, of 2020, uh, most likely, although I've been put on standby a couple places. If we get one of those weird, super warm winter days, we will be out, Thunder Jacket, playing another live show because, you know, I love playing live music, man. It's a lot of fun. But uh, let's get back with Nick. Let's have fun. Let's get started. Here's my conversation with Nick May. Well, well, Nick, thanks for joining me. I, I've been asking almost everybody this, and I'll ask you. I mean, how are you holding up with 2020, man? It's a crazy <laughs> year for musicians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're 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 hanging in there. I mean, all things considered, it's, you know, it's pretty dark, but, um, you know, there, I think we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, metaphorically speaking, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, what's crazy is this last weekend, um, I was actually up in Lincoln, and I, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and I actually heard a friend playing music live, and honestly, like, I was taken back for 
you know, a split second because I think that was the first time I've actually heard live music since, you know, January or February. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, the, just the spirit of that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so, I mean, it's such a cliche, but it's true. You, you take things for granted until they're gone. Um, and the idea that you wouldn't go out and see live music or perform live music, you know, we went from, I was, you know, I was playing two, three times a month to nothing. Uh, and it's just kind of crazy that just when it goes away, it goes away. And then you lose all your friends doing it. And uh, certainly national acts doing it. And it's just such a huge hole. So I totally get that. Um, but yeah, hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel and things are getting better. So yeah. let's back up a little bit, you know, and, and people are probably going to roll their eyes that know me, but I, I honest to God, I booked you before I knew that you were a native of Lincoln, Nebraska, which is my hometown, but let's, uh, let, let's start there. Cause you know, all the cool people come from Nebraska. Um, so tell me about growing up, man. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no little, you know, little Nebraska boy, like actually fun fact, most people don't know this. I actually grew up. Uh, on a farm in the middle of nowhere that no one would have actually, no one would guess that, right? Um, and grew up there probably until, you know, 13, 14 or so, but it was always on the outskirts of Lincoln. Um, and then we moved actually into Lincoln. Family and I, we moved into Lincoln. I uh, went to high school there, uh, went to my undergrad there. Um, and then just, you know, always, you know, kind of go back and forth just because that's where home is. Yeah, it's uh, not a bad trip. It's an easy three hours, so. yeah. I mean, I've done it like 5,000 times. My, yeah, well, my older son is a freshman at the University of Nebraska right now, so I'm doing it even more. So, um, Yeah, and I mean, it's not that bad of a drive. And even, you know, I mean, it's at least when the interstate's actually open, you know, like. Yeah, not underwater. A little bit more tolerable. <laughs> so uh, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. I mean, my podcast is called Trading Fours, and I uh, have been on for a little over a year. And obviously it's probably some bias. I try not to be biased uh, since I play guitar, uh, but you are the first saxophone player. And that's just a, a crime that a, a podcast called yeah. Trading For in Kansas City would not have a, a saxophonist on for over a year. Um, so I apologize. So um, saxophone obviously is one of the coolest instruments out there and it's such a part of jazz. So let's start a little bit about that. What made you pick up the sax? Oh, okay. So... So, you know, back in like, you know, fifth, fourth grade or whatever, when the public schools introduce, uh, you know, musical instruments after the desolate year for quarter, right? Um, ironically, I didn't really care. Like I, I pretty, was pretty much indifferent in the sense, you know, I didn't really have a strong urge to play. You know, it wasn't like the saxophone was calling me and I, you know, the love of the instrument didn't, you know, call me for that. Um, I actually wanted to play, I believe, trumpet. That was like my first, you know, on the sheet, you like make your first pick, what you want to try. And uh, fun fact, I couldn't buzz my lips. And that's kind of important when you play trumpets. Yeah. So they basically was just like, well, anyone can play saxophone. Basically, here you go, have fun, come back next week. And, you know, it's kind of kind of went from that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, and I was, you know, and I'll be honest, I was awful. Like everybody so, is when they start. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, I was like even like the last chair worst of the whole like the yeah in the whole band. Um, Did you get challenged, Nick? The kid, the mean kids challenge you and make you go down a chair. Well, yeah, they did that, and I didn't <laughs> know my scales, and I didn't, you know, I couldn't read the music, and it was just, it, you know. 
people so uh, a little band nerd thing so if you're in marching band or concert band or whatever uh and i went this is a million years ago but when yeah. i was in school that was the big deal that if you thought you were better than the person next to you you would yeah, challenge you them yeah and they would put you in like the band the room with like all the instruments were stored so they couldn't the band director couldn't see who was who and they would you know shout out number one play whatever and then if you won you got to go up a chair so it was this this is your band nerd competition for folks that aren't aware about it it was like you know people took that stuff really seriously it's like life or death and like i mean i also didn't care at that point um and i didn't really mean i'll be honest i really didn't start really caring or even like practicing like heavily probably or at all like let's just say practicing at the start that's an improvement in itself uh, until probably either like uh, eighth or ninth grade, I would say. So th- about three or four years after even just starting. Uh, and ironically, that was kind of had to deal with one of those challenge things that you mentioned, because uh, obviously I was, you know, last year, the worst, right? And uh, this one person uh, who was I, like first at the point, basically like was you know, challenging me in the sense like, you know, the solo contest, like the yearly solo contest, right? Basically saying, well, I don't know why, you know, you're even, you know, submitting to, you know, do a solo contest, whatever, like piece, because, you know, you're going to just get like a, whatever the arbitrary failing grade is. And, you know, I'm going to get a, you know, whatever the superior is, whatever. So, you know, you might just quit while you're ahead. And I don't know why, I I don't know what specifically changed in that instance but for some reason just something like you know that spark that that just got and I was like okay no like that's not how this works you can't tell me what you know what I can and cannot do um and then I did this you know this this miraculous thing called practicing right (laughs) um and then you know come to have the solo solo contest thing whatever um uh, you know, we all do the, you know, go through the whole charades, whatnot. And at the end of the day, um, it, it was just hilarious when the band director was like announcing all the results. Uh, and, you know, they said, like, I wasn't even like, you know, they didn't even say anything about me. I was like, oh, crap, you know, I was probably the worst. Like, that's why, you know. Uh, and then I remember uh, basically, you know, they, they stopped and it was like, and ironically, like, you know, Nick, has one of the top scores at the whole site on this day. And like the, just the look on his face when he was like, what the, you, you, you know what I mean? Right. So that guy, yeah. that either boy or girl, I don't know who it was that did it, them being kind of a jerk to you was a, a great impetus for you. Yeah, ironic. I mean, it, it wasn't anything new, but I just, I you think- had enough. Just, yeah, I had enough and it was like, okay, you know what? You know, we're done with this. Right. Uh, you know that's funny well you know i and i think it's a good point and then we'll move on but uh i think this is true of everybody and, and you know obviously you know this and all musicians know this uh so much of being a good musician and it's not all you have to have a good ear like i could have practiced as much as michael jordan i would not have been michael jordan i mean so you have to have natural ability and stuff but a lot of it the a majority of it the vast majority of it it's it's hard work it's putting in the time and doing the stuff that you don't want to do. And it's the focus practice stuff that makes you a better player. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 100%. So, 
That's interesting. So when you got, so you were getting good and then liking it and enjoying it. So who were your influence? Who'd you hear on sax? And like, I, I dig that dude or I dig, I dig that woman. And I want to be able to do yeah, something. No, I think I'm trying to think of like the first, I remember the first, at least jazz recording I listened to was uh, Lester Young with the Oscar Peterson trio. That was the first one I've ever heard. And that was, you know, I've never heard any, you know, little, barely teenagers never heard anything like that right yeah um and then i guess classically i'm trying i think the first actual like classical saxophone quote unquote you know that i heard i think was just like a youtube recording of like either marcel mule which was the basically french grandfather of all things um yeah i think i I don't actually remember that, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you brought up Lester Young because he was a Kansas Cityan. You know, yeah. he, he was here. Kansas City, what a great town for jazz overall. And then you talk about great sax players. I mean, yeah. you get Lester Young and Charlie Parker. Um, and I know there's others that I'm, my brain is freezing right now. But uh, what a, you know, what a cool time. Wouldn't you love to go back in time and see oh, some God. of these jam sessions? Yeah, yeah. no, that right. would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 story is, and I don't know if it's true or not. Um, since we were just talking about Lincoln, was that Charlie Parker actually? Uh, they were driving on a gig up to Lincoln from here, uh, and they hit a chicken on the road, and he said stop, and you know, because they wanted to eat it, kind of thing. And they called him Yardbird because of that. Like, you know, Charlie wants a Yardbird, yeah. and that's what made him Bird, which is kind of cool. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that. I've never heard that one. Yeah. Well, we'll see if it's right or not. Yeah. <laughs> somebody will somebody will send me a nasty message if it's wrong. So so obviously then you went to UNL and were you a major in music or did you just play on the side? Did how serious no, yeah. did you get? Yeah, no, I majored uh, in saxophone performance. Uh, all four years did both uh, classical and jazz. I was in the you know top you know all the groups, um, playing as much as I can. Um, you know and you know I I you know I had a really good. Uh, experience at UNL. Um, I got a few different opportunities to study with some different people that, you know, most people probably wouldn't have ventured out to. Um, for example, like I studied uh, not like I obviously studied saxophone all four years, right? Um, but the last two years um, I studied with uh, the resident, one of their resident um, string quartet artists, so on violin. Um, I was playing saxophone, shoot, like saxophone. I was playing saxophone uh, music, right? Violin music on saxophone with a violinist. Uh, and that, I, I think that shaped me a lot more or that influenced me a lot, kind of where I'm at today. Um, you know, studying, cause that, I mean, you know, that's kind of the core music that I traditionally play at this, at this point is the violin repertoire. Um, so it's like Vivaldi, Nick, what are you? What do you lean toward? It's a violin. Yes. Yeah, no, like right now, um, right now I'm actually working on uh, my second CD, which is uh, going to feature Mozart, uh, Vitali, which is a Baroque composer, uh, Brahms, and then uh, the Franck Violin Sonata. So those, those are all like heavy, you know, kind of the heavy core pieces in the repertoire. Um, but basically, you know, anything's really fair game. I mean, I wouldn't say I single out one over the other. Um, because when but, was the saxophone 
created. I know it was the the was it Adolphus Sachs? What was the guy's yeah. name? Oh, Adolph Sachs. And that was later. So most of this classical music, because part of the reason of this podcast is I kind of try to demystify music for people that, you know, they're yeah. just kind of like, but like, how does things work? So saxophone was developed in the 1800s, correct? Yeah, mid 1800s. So most um, of this music was written long before that. So as a saxophonist, you didn't have the opportunity. Nobody was writing music for you because your instrument didn't exist. Well, that and also, you know, there's also the, you know, the, the scandals that, you know, that it, it goes, it goes to, oh yeah, there's, you know, scandalous kind of stuff about the saxophone as one would expect. But, you know, for example, like composers literally being paid off to not specifically to not write for it, you know, death threats on Adolf Sachs trying to blow up his workshops multiple times, you know, the, the usual, right? So why did they hate it so much? Because, well, I mean, it makes... It makes sense in a sense, like if you're, you know, this, you know, I mean, in the 1800s, we didn't have, you know, mid 19th century, we didn't have, you know, all the core companies, everyone kind of made their own instruments, right? So you didn't have, you know, you didn't have the big Selmer buffet, Yamaha, you know, they were all kind of just the local town repair music person, right? Yep. Um, and then you have, you know, and I guess kind of backstory, Adolf Sachs, his father was a repair uh, music uh, instrument maker. Uh, and, you know, they said he made really good flutes and clarinets at the time. So he learned that already. So he's a second generation instrument, instrument maker. Um, and so in, he was a very special child and all, you know, very different mean, like meanings of that. Uh, he, uh, you know, swallowed arsenic, you know, blew up gunpowder in his face, got hit in the head with a board <laughs> round, like fell down, like you name it. it, it he should not have lived like <laughs> I'm about to read a book about him now. It's, it's, it's great. But, uh, um, I mean, if you think about it, you know, and we go back to, you know, when he invented the saxophone, if you look at the old, you know, original, you know, the original made ones, they don't look really much any different than the modern ones, except, you know, they're a little bit, the modern ones are more shiny and has maybe a few extra keys, but the whole overall conception and design are pretty much the exact same. Yeah. Okay. So if you compare that to like, you know, the flute, right? The modern flute and, you know, the prehistoric flute that, you know, they're completely different instruments. The original clarinet and, you know, modern it's clarinet. It's changed so, dramatically. Yeah. So yeah. if you, you know, and you enter the market with a fully functional, you know, I, you know, almost perfect instrument that does not need, you know, years and years of trial and error, of course, you're going to be pissed off if if you're one of his competition. You know, if you're one of the competition, you know, competitors in the you know instrument manufacturing field. Right. So, um, and, and you know, in his clarinets, you know, he also you know also perfected the bass clarinet. So the bass clarinet, you know, before he he um, you know fixed it acoustically, it was pretty much like a giant clarinet. But now, you know, that's why it has the brass bell and it has kind of the same resemblance to the saxophone and it's in its kind of shape because same guy. Interesting. Well, you know, that's why I do this podcast. I learn something all the time. Yeah. So I did not know. Oh, yeah, I, mean, so, I knew so, a little bit, but not all. <laughs> didn't know about yeah. the arsenic. Didn't know about people blowing things up. Didn't know about <laughs> any of that. But yeah, so, no. So like the other other instrument company, you know, people 
like literally tried to like hired hitman to try and kill him trying to burn up his like design steal his designs no one could replicate it uh and you know like literally paid off composers to not write for it or else they would have their you know their artists their people playing their instruments basically uh uh you know boycott the orchestra and not play right so between their whole woodwind section and one saxophone what are they going to choose right so do you do you mostly prefer classical and then some jazz are you 50 50 what what how do you break it down well so in terms of preference or uh, yeah no in terms of preference i would say 50 50 what i actually end up doing and you know or i guess was doing before yeah you know it's uh was probably closer to uh 80 percent classical and then just 20 percent jazz just because um you know i have complete and utter respect for all the weekend troopers you know who do the you know nine to two a.m gigs you know every like you know um that's just not you know necessarily my my main uh uh mo for lack of a better term right um so you know i usually like what i've done in the past in terms of um in like the jazz field like i usually do more like I'll come in for like a special concert. Like I, you know, um, there's a, well, you probably remember first Plymouth and Lincoln, right? Oh yeah. 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 They, we do like, you know, a jazz service, gospel jazz service, you know, once or twice a year, go up for things like that. Uh, was a guest artist with uh Baker university's jazz band and combo like, last year. So things like that more often than not. Okay. Uh, You're just not going to be at the balloon room at one thirty. No, that's past my no, that's past my dip bedtime. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you're young. Wait till you get to be my age. You're gonna be really. I mean, I was so thrilled. We played because uh, we we're only doing outdoor gigs to be safe. You know, I won't do an indoor show. And they're like, "Would you? Could you do six to eight? And I was like, "Oh God, six to eight. That's perfect. I'll be home and yeah, couch hanging out, watching a movie with my wife at like nine thirty. That's like I could be in bed at ten, my usual time. That's perfect. So I, yeah, I, I get that. So. Um, that's great. So what was 2020 going to be like, Nick, if you hadn't had, you know, the entire world? Yeah, yeah. Well, up leading up to 2020, I was doing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of guest artist stuff more on the classical side around, around the country. Um, and obviously a lot of that got canceled. Um, a lot of, um, you know, I was going to be doing a bunch of traveling for that. Um, missed a few, you know, orchestral concerts. Uh, trying to think if I missed anything. I mean, I, I don't want to say it, but in a sense, it was actually kind of, I don't want to say it's nice, but maybe it's, you know, trying to find the silver lining, um, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about. Um, Cause this has actually given me a chance to just practice like hours upon hours that I wouldn't have normally had, you yeah. know, and especially, the first two months of quarantine when you know everything was just on kind of standstill you know i haven't had time to practice four or five hours you know consistently since i don't know when and it was you know it, it was great you know i mean obviously you know missing all the you know social interactions and you know concerts and whatnot but just being able to sit down and you know kind of get to work that uh, i actually enjoyed it and i know yeah and you're not the first person to tell me that. Really? Had, no, I've had uh, Jackie Myers. You, you know Jackie, right? Uh, she told me the same thing. You know, that just 
you have so much going on that um, you just can't put in the, the practice you want to because you're either performing or you, you got to, I mean, you got to make money. You got to, yeah. you got to make a living. Um, so having that, and then I don't know, you're way too young to know who this is, but uh, there's a guy named Roger Manning, who's a keyboard player, who was the keyboardist in Jellyfish, which is one of my favorite bands from the nineties. And he's, he's currently, he tours with Beck and uh, oh, wow. he's played with all kinds of people. And he's like, I've no, I haven't had this time and forever because he's yeah. probably mid fifties. Um, so I get that. And I, I think it's one of those things that you, you have to put a positive spin on it. Otherwise you're going to go crazy about it. Right. I mean, you have to be like, I've got to make the most of this time. If I don't, then I'm really going to get sad. Um, be productive with it. Do something with it. Well, I mean, yeah. this, this podcast yeah. is an example, Nick, because I was originally, I would have never done these on zoom. I just wouldn't have because I really like that interaction in person. And I really, you know, was about if you came in and you wanted to perform, uh, I didn't say you had to, I don't want to, you know, it's not a monkey show. I don't tell people what to do, but if people would like, they wanted to come in and play a tune and talk or sing or whatever, I was all over it. And then I always see all that went away. And um, the positive part of it is, is that I've had national acts on. So yeah i've had besides roger manning i've neil geraldo who's pat benatar's husband and a phenomenal guitar i've had him on and i've had people in new york i've had people in seattle i've had people and that never would have happened wow the world hadn't shut down um twofold one i wouldn't have thought of it and second they would have said no because they would have been touring or they've been doing something they would have been way too busy they would have been like why am i going to talk to the schmo in kansas city Right. But I know they're sitting around. I know they're not doing anything. So it's anyway. So that's the silver lining. I totally get it. Um, so you talked a little bit about this new album. So tell me about your new album. Um, so, yeah, no, this is, you know, it's a work in progress. Obviously, it's TVD with everything going on, you know. Um, but uh, uh, Maya Tuliva, uh, she is a, a pianist and the owner of the Music Academy of Kansas City, where I also that's where daytime job is where I teach and do admin there. Um, we played together for probably the last two, two years or so. Um, and then basically we were just sitting, you know, kind of mid quarantine, just, okay, what do we do? Um, and we're like, you know what, let's just do a, let's record an album, you know, try and be productive, try and be proactive and try and create something, you know, good out of this. Right. Um, and so, you know, it was actually pretty easy picking what we wanted to do because um, we've both played uh, the Frank Sonata, you know, a couple, you know, not a hundred times, but, you know, at least a dozen times separate, separate collectively. But then we actually played it together uh, on a, on a, our faculty recital, I think like two, one year ago, two years ago, something like that. Um, so that's already a 30 minute, that's a 30 minute piece. So that's half an album right there. Um, and that's so side then, one, if you had an album, we still oh, yeah, had albums yeah, anymore, which we don't, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, uh, you know, we just picked, you know, you know, kind of went around like, okay, what else would work well with this? What do we want to do? Uh, and so when we settled on that whole program, uh, kind of the idea behind it is it kind of represents, you know, you kind of get a little bit of everything without getting too cutting edge and modern, modern, you know, everything kind of up to that. Right. Um, obviously you have your Baroque, you know, your 1700s, you have your uh, Mozart, you have your Brahms, and then you have your Franck, which is super late French, uh, French romantic. 
leading up to the, to the uh, 20th century, you know? So um, right now we're thinking about recording it in uh, uh, March or April pending, you know, everything going on. Um, also pending if my instrument is actually functional by then. What's wrong uh, with your instrument? Well, no, no, there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, uh, I'm, for this album, I'm basically having a custom-made instrument made um, because the saxophone doesn't fit the whole range of the of the violin. So uh, basically, what I'm doing to my soprano saxophone is I'm extending the lower edge to lower edge uh, of the uh, lower range to to fit the lowest notes of the violin. Okay. Uh, and in its natural state, it doesn't. And it, yeah. So soprano sax is what you're doing on this album, mostly not. Yeah, that's primarily that would what I would say is probably my main uh, saxophone out of all of them. Obviously, I have them all and play them all, but that's probably the most one that's home. Okay. Um, soprano saxophone it only goes down to uh, concert A flat, and the violin goes down to concert G. Right. Right. And so, basically, what you have to do is you have to cut off the bell of the of the soprano. Um, there's one guy who makes this extension bell that has an extra key, an extra hole in it that you solder on the hole uh, and then you add the extra key work and then you have a low G. Well, uh, two thoughts on that one. It sounds expensive. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> second, uh, it's got to be a little bit of trepidation that you're cutting your instrument open, right? I mean, that's got to be a little. Oh, well, so I'm about this. This is a good story. So I'm all about halfway through the process. Um, wow. Because I bought I bought a new soprano, you know, this past year, love it, um, and I was searching for like the one that I wanted to do this, you know, this process too, uh, and so I ordered the bell, ordered it from Germany. Um, it's expensive, but it's not, you know, it's not as expensive as you would think. Okay. Uh, would, granted, that's not a high bar, but <laughs> uh, so I got the got the bell you know, took it to, um, uh, Will Peek, who is a, you know, local repair person who's very good. Uh, and I trusted with this project and we got to the chopping part and it's, it was beautiful. Like the, I mean, you know, when you see the picture of your baby, just, you know, cut in half, part of you cringes, but it's, it, you know, it was as far as it could go, it was the most beautiful straight cut. And, you know, that's half the battle, right? right. Well, the problem is because uh, the soprano I bought is like a brand new 2020 release. The diameter is bigger than what all like what the normal soprano size is. Yikes! So <laughs> the the bell that he that was made is more or less a one size fits all. Okay. And it did not fit all. <laughs> so then what'd you do? Well, so size uh, cry. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> Uh, in between uh, <laughs> uh basically uh he uh benedict his name's benedict eipelsheim uh in germany he's in the process of making a new bell with a larger diameter to fit so it's even like at double custom because he had to, we had to measure the actual diameter and you know all that kind of stuff so this happened around like september i think early september um so i'm gonna be just tickled pink if i have this by the end of the year i mean but, I, I i should have it by the end of the month knock so, on wood yeah. yeah i mean most people uh 
watch those home improvement shows, right? Where like, they like, Hey, they cut the window out and it doesn't fit and stuff. I think that, but I, you're the first person I've had the story from an instrument, you know, I'm yeah. always impressed when people can do that kind of stuff. I mean, Oh yeah. I would not well, touch my, I have a, you know, I have a bunch of guitars and one of the ones I would like to have a drop D. So this is probably into the weeds, but basically if a lot of rock and roll I play has the low notes a D note and you want to drop it from an E to a D and I have to tune it down and tune it back. Yeah. Down. Yeah. So they tell, they sell a thing that you can, it just pops into place. And I've been like this close, like three or four doing it myself. And it's like, <laughs> I, I can't do, I'm not doing it myself. I've well, got to hire, I, there's got to be a guitar luthier that I yeah. use because I can't, if I ruin the guitar, then I'm out hundreds yeah. and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, do you want to, do you want to see how my, like the Soprano looks right now? Like, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll put it like, and then I'll take a screenshot and put it up on the show notes so people can see it. This is fabulous. Like literally when I say it's taped together, <laughs> it's, no, like, this was, it's literally taped together. It looks like my dad when he used to just use duct tape on everything. So like there's like a 3D like a 3D printed, I don't know how well you can see this. Right. Like printed brace holding the two together and then it's taped on like oh inside and like all around just to hold it on. Wow. That's fabulous. Well, before we go, I wanna so I I always think it's interesting. I want people to like explore things and obviously I want people to listen to you and that's why I asked you for your tracks and stuff. And I'll put in the show notes, you know, your, your website and all your places that they can find it and they should listen to you. But you know, the soprano sax, I think, unfortunately, and you may differ with me on this, but I think, unfortunately, the only thing Americans, if they think about the soprano sax, all they think about is Kenny G. Yeah. No, that's, that's about accurate. Yeah. Which is, okay but there's so much more stuff so i i I would love for you to kind of give people some like songs that have a soprano sax on it that they might be aware of i'm thinking myself there's some billy joel songs where his saxophone player used a soprano yeah right i know i mean in terms of uh soprano saxophone players that you know if i had my way you know and everyone automatically you know would go out and just listen to i would say they owe it to themselves to listen to brand for marsalis uh either like stuff or even you know when he was with sting yes uh, absolutely I mean, that 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 was all him you know yeah sting uh, is kind of a sting's a great musician I'm, he's a great singer fabulous songwriter he's kind of just an okay bass player but to his credit yeah. when he went out on his own he hired all these phenomenal jazz guys around him which was really smart yeah and it you know there it's incredibly well done you know um i would say you know branford uh, I mean that he is, and you know he is probably my idol in terms of just aesthetic and everything. Um, but I would say Branford, um, you know, uh, if you want to go back back in time, you know, you have to listen to Sidney Bechet because he's basically the one that started it all. Right. Uh, you have to listen to Coltrane because my favorite things. Right. Which that I was. Think- most people probably know that tune, even though they probably don't think they do. I mean, that was they, that was a hit. Yeah. They know it, but they don't. It's, you know, kind of like, um, you know, just kind of the, you know, like the introduction to Beethoven's fifth, right? Everyone knows the ba-ba-ba-bum. They just don't know what it is. They just call it the whatever song. song yeah. yeah, they call it that. Yeah, same thing, right? Um, and then kind of off the beaten path, um, I don't know if you've heard of Jane Ira Bloom. I have not. She, she's a, a New York, New York uh, soprano saxophonist, and she actually only exclusively plays it. 
So Branford, obviously he does, you know, alto tenor, soprano, right? Yeah. Coltrane, obviously when everyone thinks of that, you think more of the tenor than soprano, right? But uh, Jane, she, you know, only plays soprano exclusively. That's interesting. You know, uh, the Marcellus family is so interesting because it's, I always would joke that I wish I would have been invited to their house for Christmas, like, you know, because, you know, the, the dad who very sadly just passed away from COVID, remarkable piano player. And I actually have his Christmas album, which is one of my favorite Christmas albums. It's just yeah. fabulous. And then you got Branford and then you got, yeah. And then you got Winton and there's another one that I'm forgetting. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, then, yeah, that just doesn't seem fair that that family is all that good. <laughs> Yeah, but they seem like super nice people and, and and stuff. Have you ever got to meet Branford or see him live? Yeah, no, I met him uh, uh, once at a saxophone conference kind of thing, and we talked for probably 10, 15 minutes. How was that? Uh, oh, it was you know I, part part of me was you know just nervous and scared, you know shitless. Pardon my French, but you know it's like you have your you know your idol right in front of you, and just like hi you don't know who i am and you probably don't care but like i'm your biggest fan and you probably hear that every day but right <laughs> but then, he was you know, cool about it oh yeah no he was like you know and um and then uh you know talk just kind of got him on one of his philosophical rants and that's always you know i love those um because what you know i mean if you've listened to any of his you know whenever he's speaking once he gets going you know it's kind of like pandora's box it's like okay but yeah. it's, it's it's always great. That's you know, phenomenal. It's always the thing that, you know, uh, you don't want to say, but he'll be like, no, this is how it is. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So Nick, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to keep you all day. So I really appreciate the time and it's been really interesting. So people listening to this, what's the best way for them to keep track of what you're up to? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? Is it, I don't know, there's 3000 things out there. What, what do you... What do you post the most? Where can people? Find? I would say um, probably between Facebook. Please come back. You know, specific details, either Facebook, Instagram, website. Um, I don't do Twitter. I know I probably should, but no. Nah. Don't do it, dude. <laughs> don't do it. No, it's not fun. It's just people being really mad at each other. Uh, well, I thanks so much, man. I, I appreciate it. I, I will put in the show notes all those things. It's such a nice, it's so nice to meet you. I wish it was in person, but virtually it's great. And when the world opens up, uh, please let me know where you're playing and stuff. I'll come out and see it. And, you know, anytime I can support a fellow Husker, I, you know, they're not going to ever say no to that. So uh, I, I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Nick May, everybody. I, I never thought we would have a attempted murder story on Trading Force, but we did. I mean, how crazy. 
they tried to blow up Adolf Sax's uh, factory to keep the saxophone from being uh, popular. That alone made that podcast worth it. Uh, Nick's such a cool guy. What a great player. I mean, this is such a pretty, I mean, just beautiful. Um, so I really appreciate it, getting to talk to Nick. And uh, I put in the show notes not only how you can follow Nick, be sure to do that. But uh, took a screenshot. I know it's hard when uh, we're on Zoom and you can't see things, but I have a screenshot. There's a link to that in the show notes where you can actually see Nick holding up the saxophone that is literally taped together with some medical tape. It's fabulous. I just, you know, uh, it's funny. The things you do, man. The things you do to make it and to perform and to get better. So, uh that's funny. So, Nick, please let me know <laughs> when it's fixed. I feel bad for you, brother. Let me know when you get that all, you know, soldered back together and, and make it look all new again. So, that's it for today's Trading Force. Hey, next time, we're going back to New York City. I've got the jazz fusion guitarist, Oz Noy. Oz has a new album out coming out November 20th called Snapdragon. Oz is fabulous. He's played with just about everybody you can think of. Uh, how about Mike Stern? How about Eric Johnson? My God, uh, the list is so long. So uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, that'll be on probably Saturday. Had a fun chat with uh, Oz, and uh, he's an Israeli-American. So he literally came here from Israel in the 90s to pursue his jazz uh, dream, and uh, he's done it. So that's pretty cool. So that's next time. But until then, go out and support live music, either in person or virtually. And I'll talk real soon. Bye-bye.